Q2, Q3 of 2020. When that started to happen, we were getting a lot of inquiries and then our business just started to really grow from there. So, you know, we've added 100 people to the business. Oh, wow. Yeah, since March 2020. And then the other one would be more recent was the David Guetta on the Burj Al Arab helipad. So, was that you? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So we, we produced that. So I hired somebody from Debizzle and needed to pay them after I made sure I got paid by the first client. And that's how the business started. We have a real opportunity to experience everything here. We're in one of the most entrepreneurial cities in the world. We're in one of the most interesting places in the world. It's so dynamic. And I think we all feed off that energy, right? We're all hustling, we're all doing different things, we're all doing our own businesses or whatever that might look like. Rather than just sitting on the couch, playing games and, and just kind of vegging out, like there's an energy here, right? And I think it's why I love the city so much. We wake up every morning and be like, right, well, we, we have to get this right because so many people are counting on us. And we talk a lot internally about the ripple effect of employment. So it's all the people that are relying on the people that are working for us, right? How much money is being sent back yeah. home? How many houses are being built for parents? How many kids are being put through school? Like, there's such a huge ripple effect. So it's understanding that and making sure that you're making decisions based on that with the right intent. You know, nine times out of 10, you're probably going to make the right decision. At one point I was like stumbling, almost like drunk. And that was my breaking point. I was like, I was like this, I was like this close. When I did come off down to the side, I was in like tears in my eyes. I was like, fuck, that was like emotionally. I've never, in, in all of my years of racing, I've never been pushed to the point where I was like, that was peak failure. I want to squeeze as much life out of life. And what I mean by that. I, oh my God, quote that. Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are The Loaded. Dan. Hi, how are you? I'm good, better than you. What, what are you trying to say? <laughs> no, it's because I've been following all the work you've been doing lately. It's been late hours, hasn't it? It, has, it hasn't. On site? I've not slept for three days. Oh, I've they, literally just got back good, right though. now. Um, thank you. You've but, got that, that no sleep translucent. I think I'm still in dust, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> I need a shower. I've literally just got back. We have not done an episode for about three or four weeks. I know, I've been missing you. I've missed you too. Yeah, and we've got, a, we've got a new little man in the studio today too. And who is this? This is Milo. Who's Milo? Milo is Taco's little brother. Ah, nice. Yeah. So we'll be seeing a little bit more of him. He's a lot more quiet than Taco. He's actually, he's not peed on my floor yet, so I'm no, quite, he quite happy. Well, that's why that. I'm holding him. Okay, so he can pee well, on you instead. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. He, he does do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving right along, we've got a great guest in the studio today. We have indeed. Are you going to introduce? I'm gonna, no, I'm going to hand it over to you as usual. Oh, see, she always does it to me because I know I'm always like, going like blank and well, forgetting people's it's names. It's also because uh, sometimes the surnames are really difficult. Oh, this one's easy. We have the awesome Tom Otten today in our podcast studio. How are you? Thank you very much for, for inviting me. I'm very good. Thank you. Good, good. We feel a little bit... Um, I'm, I'm feeling intimidated. Yeah, I'm feeling intimidated. Guys, <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen your podcast. You, know, you guys have got an awesome one going. You've been doing it for a while. Maybe we should hand over to Tom to be the host. Yeah. <laughs> should I interview you too? Yeah, go on. Yeah, that might, that might work out. Yeah. Yeah, podcast has been going for a little while. Um, but you know how it is. You're trying to fit it in around running a business and, and everything else. So it's... Uh, it's not always um, out every week, uh, yeah. as you said. And I think we said three or four weeks since you've done your last one. So we're kind of trying to get back into the rhythm with it at the moment. Yeah, but, but yeah, we've been doing, it's been a few years now. So Yeah, because we had Dia on in the very beginning. Oh, did you? I think, yeah, do you remember? Who? Dia. Oh, we did. Yeah, so we he did. came on to our podcast. In the middle like, of COVID. The, yeah, when we were down in, yeah, I can't remember. Down in Alcuz. Alcuz, yeah. We were in Alcuz. Nice. And he was talking beginning. talking about how you guys pivoted and sort of made made COVID work for you. Yeah, it's um, I think what I think making COVID work for us is a is a stretch, <laughs> but um, but I think we pivoted and we adapted the best we could. 
Um, we lent into the culture that we'd yeah. been building over the last few years leading up to that. Um, but it was a tough time for, for everybody, um, not not least for, I know that you went through a lot of troubles as well in your industry. Yeah, certainly. the crazy world of entertainment. Yeah, I mean, that I mean got hit harder than most, right? Yeah. Um, in, on our side, you know, as, a, as someone that was running a business, yeah, every time my phone went, it was a client either cancelling a contract or putting it on indefinite hold. They didn't know what was going on in their business and therefore needed to pull back on what, what we did. Um, but there were a few things that worked in our favour that we were or are still um, around about 80% government. So yeah. that, that helped because you know, the government still carried on spending. Um, and secondly, you know, we kind of went through a lull of, of losing a few contracts, but then it started to come out the other side as the world started to realize, oh, hold on a second, everything's just gone digital. Yeah. Uh, you know, metrics will tell you that it's you know five, six, seven years of, of advancement in the digital space in, in, in just sort of 18 months. Um, then that started to play into our favor because we'd spent 10 years building ourselves as a digital first agency. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were on the right side of it. There are friends that have got businesses just as good as ours that were on the wrong side of it and, you know, got hammered hard. So I, I, I see it as we were fortunate, mm. yeah. um, but there's an element of that of we'd created the right culture. So when we needed to rely on that, um, and in both ways, from from a company and a, and a people perspective, that that helped us. Uh, but that's because we did the right thing. What uh, to you is the right culture? In terms of, um, uh, if you look at the Great Resignation that's going on at the moment, right? What, what does that actually, what does that actually mean? It, the reason that's happening is because there have, there's been um, companies have been mistreating staff, using them, uh, treating them as a, a disposable asset, mm. um, and because of that. It gets to the point where people go through something like COVID. Collectively, it's you know it's um, tough for everybody, mentally, physically, in some cases. But everyone's gone through that kind of reset of their mind, re-evaluating re what it is that they're doing with their lives, re-evaluating how they spend their days. Everything's changed. You know, the, the whole work from home concept has allowed everyone to think differently and go, hold, hold on a second. Everything that I thought I had to do, check in, check out, do 12 hours a day, get treated like shit, um, put up with X, Y, and Z from the workplace or, or a particular boss, all of that, they, they started to question that, right? Mm. And that's why the great resignation is happening. It's not happening in those companies that were doing things the right way. From the, the beginning. From the beginning, that had empathetic leadership, that actually built and fostered a culture where people wanted to actually be there, wanted to be part of it. Those companies have actually done better reason mm. being is because there's been so many people leaving those other companies looking for something better if you've been creating something better you're on the right side of it the companies that are going oh, i don't know why everybody's leaving it's because well look yeah. at how you've been treating the staff for the five years prior to 2020 yeah, yeah it's always surprised me like it's not hard is it look after your team and your team will look after you yeah, that, and it's yeah. amazing yeah that's it it's basics but but it's it's incredible how um, how many people get that wrong? Mm. Uh, how many companies get that wrong? Because there's so much insecurities in, in, in leadership. People have this warped idea of what, what leadership means. Uh, do you have to be strict with people because you're a, in, you know, a, a boss? You know, people have this warped idea of, of what that actually means. And there are a few leaders coming through that are, that are changing that, that game. Um, that we see you know, globally, internationally, the narrative has changed around what it means to, to create a culture and create a, 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 a workspace for people. Um, and it's great to see those companies that are, you know, that, that are doing well. And yours is one of those companies we've been watching quite closely. Well, well, we've, you, you guys we've, have grown massively over the last few years. We have, and I, and I think it's, um, and it goes down to, to within... Culture doesn't come from necessarily from the top. Culture is something that sits within every single person yeah. within a community, right? And that's something that we're always trying to foster. Um, because I feel that we got that right 
prior to 2020, as I said, when shit hit the fan for many people, um, they started to look for something better. I think we were, I see that we were positioned as, as a better workplace within, yeah. the, within the agency space. And as I said, prior to the, um, the, the, that, that movement from um, how, you know, the, the, the movement into the, into the digital space that happened kind of, uh, let's say, a few months in, let's say Q2, uh, Q2, Q3 of 2020. Yeah. Um, when that started to happen, there, you know, we were getting a lot of inquiries and then our business just started to, to really grow from there. So you know, we've added 100 people to the business. Oh, wow. Yeah, since since March 2020. That's insane. Yeah, people. We went, we went in actually slightly more. So we went in at about, uh, we were about 65 people um, going into January, February, March 2020 and we're now at 180. 180 people. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty significant. And then at the end of the t- today, you're going to be 183. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? You and my That's insane. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to get my head around what that must be like. Yeah. Because that's, that's huge growth. It, it, it is. Um, and it hasn't all been pretty. Yeah. Like, you know, it never is. It never is, right? But to be mm. super transparent, like it's, it is, it's difficult. It's difficult to get everything right, make every decision correctly. Um, but the one thing we, 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 I suppose we fall back on is that our intent is always right. Yeah. So it's always making sure that if you're making decisions that are positive decisions with the right intent, even if you get it wrong, you'll be given some leeway. Yeah. And you know, when you're onboarding 100 people, that you know, think of the, the interviews that you go through to actually get 100 people to join your company, yeah. right? So, um, and, th- and there's a huge responsibility. Someone joins a company, I, I take it very personally, the senior team take it very personally that they've chosen to put their career in our hands, right? So that's something that we, that we wake up every morning and be like, right, well, we, we have to get this right because so many people are counting on us. And we talk a lot internally about the ripple effect of employment. So it's all the people that are relying on the people that are working for us, right? How much money is being sent back yeah. home? How mm. many houses are being built for parents? How many kids are being put through school? Like there's such a huge ripple effect. So it's, you know, taking that, understanding that and, and, and making sure that you're making decisions based on, on that with the right intent. You know, nine times out of 10, you're probably going to make the right decision. Yeah. Um, but in terms of it being difficult, trying to maintain your, your, the culture that you had when you were 30, 40 people, when you're now 180 people, and they've, everyone brings their own little bit of culture, mm. right? Yeah. You, know, you learn how to do X, Y, and Z from this manager or that working culture. So it's trying to, to make sure that we're, whilst we've naturally been diluted, it's also trying to make sure that we, um, we course correct as much as we can, mm. we educate as much as we can, um, we've actually just finished writing our culture manifesto, okay, um, nice. which is um, which is something that we, we've spent a lot of time on. So that's that's going to go go out to the business soon. We, we've kind of we had elements of this everywhere, yeah. but now it's actually pulled together to be like, bang, read this document. This is who we are. Of course, I think that's one of the struggles that I've been going through lately. So we've just gone to I think we're at thirty five employees now. Mm. So we've gone we've added about thirty people since COVID. Amazing, um, well which done. is significant. Yeah, you, you blew up, which you, is awesome. Now up, we've yeah. got operations. You know, like well, like I think you guys have. You know, we're spanning into different GCC countries and yeah. beyond. But just trying to get people on the same page mm. is one of the biggest challenges and getting people to understand what that culture is because the culture does have to evolve and adapt. But yeah, we have to write it down. I should have done that two years ago. I wish I did it earlier. Yeah, I wish. I, honestly, I, I look at that now. I'm like, this is probably the most powerful document we have in the company. Yeah. Why didn't I do this two years ago? Especially, time? It's, it's time. It's just thought like you're, just, you're juggling things, right? It's hindsight's super easy to look mm. back and be like, I should have done A, B, C, and D. Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't, uh, and it's not. No, it's not that it's being catastrophic because we didn't do that. Like we're, you know, we're still in a good, good space, and we're, you know, we've we've grown, grown well. But I, I see the power and the value that this document's going to have for yeah. us. So, speaking to you or speaking to anybody else that, that that's interested in that, I would say write it down because what's in your head 
isn't necessarily in the head of the person in Saudi exactly. that doesn't spend time with you. The, yeah. the, the senior team that spend time with you all the time, they understand how you make every decision. Mm. They understand yeah. where your intent is. They understand what your values look like, even just through through action, even if you're not verbalizing it all the yeah. time. They're like, ah, oh, no, Dan wouldn't like that. Or wouldn't yeah. do it. And it's not that it comes from one single person, but there is there has to be a culture that comes in terms of the, the tone is set and then it's held by everybody yeah. else in the business. Yeah. Now, the people that are remote, they don't see the tone because you know, most of the time they're not with you. So if you write it down, as people come in, you'll be able to make sure that everyone is aligned. This is how we make decisions. This is our work ethic. This is what it is and what it isn't. Yeah. This is how we approach difficult conversations and how we do things. So it's going to be quite specific as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. People like, but people like that clarity. Yeah. And it's great when you're employing people that they can see, okay, this is the sort of team we are. Mm. Is, the, is this the same values you have? Are you aligned? Are we the right company for you? I yeah. think also people need that clarity. 100%. One of, the, one of the pain points that I've been going through over the last few months is that when you onboard a lot of new people all at the same time, mm. is that if you can't give people that clarity, then it just ends in chaos. Yeah. Because people have different opinions and different ideas of how to do things. Also, also you have expectations of them. If you haven't told them what you expect, how do you expect them to follow through? Yeah. yeah. You know? But I'm more interested to go back. How mm. did you get here? How far back do you want to go? Go as far well, back like, as you like. Physically in the studio oh. or like, you know, like longer than that? No, but I like, love it. My mom and my dad. On, like, I love go, go back to mom and dad. Go back to mom and dad. They were, they were sitting on the couch one night. Yeah. No. But how did you get here? Did you always want to do this? So um, there's a bit of a story to that. So I was, wor- I was working corporate marketing. Okay. I, uh, as, you know, always wanted to do marketing? Um, yes, to an extent. Yeah, okay. I like I liked I like the idea of of communicating with people. I like the idea of how do you as I started to learn about marketing as a, as a sort of a generalized concept, like way back when I was younger, mm. um, and I was studying that. I really enjoyed the 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 power that marketing has in in all of its different forms. And before we get into all the like the the minutia and the the different verticals and the blah blah blah, but just the general concept of okay, you're, you're launching a brand, you're launching a product, you're trying to make your way in the world. How do you actually communicate? Who are you communicating to? And wh- what value do you add to them? And, and do you talk at them? Do you talk with them? What, how does content marketing play versus advertising? And all this, how, how you put all of that together really grabbed my attention. I was like, mm. wow, there's so much more to it. Kind of coming mm. out of school, you just see, you see marketing, mm. right? you see advertising yeah. mostly, and you see everything that goes with that. But um, actually starting to scrape the surface and understand a little bit about that and the kind of the theory and the science. I was like, wow, there's, there is so much to this. And that, that got my attention. Um, in terms of how I got here with regards to the business, I was working corporate marketing here in Dubai in 2008, nine, and then lost my job in 10 um, because of the crisis that hit here. Obviously yeah. it hit a little bit later in Dubai. Mm. So in 2008, we were like, oh, look what's going it was on. Amazing. The rest, yeah. Look what's going on in the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, so glad we're in Dubai. In 2009, I was like, hmm. Not so and then nice. t- yeah, 2010, it was like the whole handbrake came up, tumbleweed down, Sheikh Zayed yeah. Road, yeah. you know, and we were all we were all fighting. So I lost my job at that point. Um, I uh, I was asked by two people that had previously worked with me at the at the company I was at, um, if I would go and have a job with them, which was you know which was great. Uh, I thought about it for a little while and I said, look, um, I will come to work for you. I understand the job description, what you need to be done, but I'll work for you as a consultant. So pay me X amount less. So it works for both of us. You, you get me, but you get a portion and blah, blah, blah. And I, I spoke to two different companies and said the same thing, and they both agreed. They're really small amounts of money, but it was enough for me to get by having just lost my job. I then realized after about a month, I needed to hire somebody to do some design work for me. I was doing consulting, uh, and then I started to... Why did you decide to consult? 
Well, because I, I was running a marketing department okay. um, with a previous business. And then, so when I stepped out, I was like, well, I'm basically just going to replicate my job. I was head of marketing. I had five or six people in the, in the, in, in the company below me that were working with my team. I was like, right, I just need to kind of replicate that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I knew. So I just kind of, it just flowed straight in. I realized I then needed somebody to, to work on what was then my team. Um, so I hired somebody from Debizzle uh, and needed to pay them after I made sure I got paid by the first client. And that's how the business started. Debizzle. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now, now we're 180 people. <laughs> that's insane. Uh, and, you know, and everything's organic. Like, no, there was yeah. no, no financing, no loans, no investors, no nothing. Yeah. So everything was literally got paid by the client, paid, paid the one person, and then it was two people, then it was three people. And, and the clients were paying on time. Yeah. In, in how many countries? <laughs> had to hustle. Um, so we are based across uh, UAE is, uh, is kind of our, our, yeah. our, our main hub. Uh, we have an office in Riyadh in Saudi. Okay. Um, we have uh, about 50, 40, 46 people in, uh, in Cairo in Egypt. Wow. Uh, so we fitted out an office there in, in the pandemic. Wow. Um, so yeah, so we had three, four freelancers that were working for us in Cairo. And then when we needed to scale up quickly, um, we said, well, the easiest place to do this for us is going to be in, in Cairo. Yep. So we literally got an office fully fitted out, um, you know, fitted it top to bottom. Um, and then, yeah, we scaled up there. So we've got a full kitchen, creative kitchen in Cairo. Um, and then we have a back office in Pakistan as well. Nice. Um, but only a, only a handful of people there from the dev side. So only uh, four people there. Uh, everyone else is UAE, uh, Cairo and, and Riyadh. Wow. Yeah, and outside of that, we do have some long-term freelancers that work for us. And that's one of the things that in terms of the pivot of the business is opening ourselves up to, to global talent. Yeah. Um, so we'll, you know, we've got people working for us from, well, well, they moved out of Russia recently for obvious reasons, um, but, uh, but right the way across Europe, uh, Australia, um, India, uh, a couple of people in Asia. So there's probably about um, 20, 20 to 22 people that are actually full-time freelancers but just working from home across the world. Uh, and they just add in value in different areas. It allows us to have the core here so we can control the output, but we, w- we work with world-class people yeah. where we find them from different markets. So that means you get the best talent. That's it, right? You know, our, yeah. our, our head of strategy at the moment um, is actually based in Sydney, Australia. You know, so Aussies, yeah. see, best yeah, so, talent. So I flew down there last week and had a coffee with him and we spoke about how we can do more and blah, blah, blah. And it's you flew to Sydney? Amazing. Yeah. How yeah. was that? How, how yeah. is my old country doing? Yeah, it's amazing. Oh. I, love, I love Sydney. It's a long way away. I felt like I was in the, I, well, I wasn't well, in the you were the down but, I mean, it feels like another planet in terms mm-hmm. of time zones. Um, well, so like my next thing was like, as you were talking about all of that and the people all over the world, I was like, how do you sleep? <laughs> because you must be operating across multiple different time zones. Um, so generally we, offer, we, we operate, so those are, um, the team kind of feeds into our time zones here. So we're only really working. Okay. Our clients are based in Saudi and based in the UAE. Yeah. There's a couple like mm. here and there, but, but 95% of what we do is in those two entities. So that's it. It's yeah. just those two. And everyone else that works has to work on our, mostly yeah. on ours, or they kind of, you know, Australia, for example, mm. there's, a, there's probably a few hours overlap and then they'll go and do work in the evening, but then it's in the inbox yeah. for the following morning. Yeah. So it really works. It works out better sometimes. Yeah, you, you can't do client well, you're servicing. You're sort of 24 hour service, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, you can't do client servicing that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if somebody that's thinking strategically to put a document together, they don't need to be on yeah. the same time zone. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, yeah, it works well for us. Nice. When was your yeah. pinch, pinch myself moment? In your journey? Oh, God, that's a good question. There's been a few of them. It's a really good question. I know. I, yeah. Sometimes I have them. You, you've yeah. been harboring that one for the last few weeks. You've not, you've not been in the studio. You've been like, I've been, right, been waiting. I've been one. waiting. Yeah, there's been a few. Um, I would say, I'll give you, t- I'll give you two that, stand, that, that really stand out. I think one was very early on. Mm-hmm. We were operating out of the business center in um, Dubai Media City. I'd hustled hard because on a, on, a, on a desk in the business center, you're allowed two visas. 
I got up to eight before they kicked me out. Okay. So I had literally had people sat on other people's desks, other people because it was quite desks. expensive as well, it, wasn't it, it? Yeah, it was. You know, as a as a startup, we were paying like, like twenty grand for the trade license, like twenty grand for the desk, um, and then obviously visas on top of that. I had to write a full letter every time I wanted an extra visa. Oh, please, you know, we're you know, really, just one more. We're really poor. I just need one more, and then I'll you know help me, blah blah blah. So we got up to that, and then they were just like, "Look, like you, you have to take you're, some you're commercial done. office space. You can't keep hustling on this desk." So anyway, we we were. Um, we were just kind of in that, that's kind of where the business was at. So obviously really early stages. And through a rugby contact, who was the commercial director at Magic Alphatane Properties at the time, we got the opportunity to build three websites for them. And they were you know, big websites. So it was Waterfront City in Beirut. It was um, The Wave, it was called The Wave back then down in Muscat. Uh, and then Al Zahir in Sharjah, which were big community developments. And they gave us the opportunity. I mean, three, three websites, you know, for Magic Alpha Team. And we'd been hustling for like, you know, we were working with like the cafe down the road mm. and like, yeah. you know, the fitness center over there. And all of a sudden we're building these websites and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And for one um, of the biggest brands Yeah, it was here. massive, you know. So, I mean, uh, th- and we, we managed to pull that off. We, we ended up doing six websites for them in total. We ended up rebranding them all like two years later and redoing them again. And that was our first, like, I would say like blue chip client, our major mm. client. I was just like, wow, this could actually work. You know, it was the first time we'd gone from hustling small businesses to we've actually just had a massive corporate yeah. Like, yeah. contract us and we've delivered what I think was decent work. They were happy with it. Internally, they were happy. I was like, you know, how far could this go? Like, this, mm. is, this is legit. So that was one. Um, and then the other one would be more recent was the David Guetta on the, um, on the Burj Arab helipad. I'm so glad you mentioned Was that you? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So we, we produced that. That content was incredible. It was it was amazing. There was and one shot where the drone was in the pyro. Yeah, it's that was like mad. The, the pyro exploded. It's like the drone then flew around it, like you yeah. can say. So the, the way you do that is that you basically just have to risk the drone. So of you're course. just flying the drone through the... Um, I'm sure you know this in your... Well, in you just hope it doesn't get shot out. Yeah, that's it. You, ju- you just have to... You, you know, you just... It's cost... If it gets shot... If it gets, if it crashes, it's just cost of getting the shot. So that's what we <laughs> need to do. How many drones had you? One, one drone or more? Uh, no, we had multiple drones. I was going to say, because yeah. Yeah, you want to yeah. make sure you still get more many shots. Yeah, so we were... Um, so yeah, I mean, without getting into all the details on that, so we, uh, we, you know, we work very closely with Dubai Tourism. We handle all of uh, Visit Dubai, Business Dubai, uh, food, uh, food Festival and Fitness Challenge and all sorts of stuff. Um, and they came to us and they were like, we've got this really secret project. And we're like, cool, what is this secret project? And they were like, it's secret, we can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. like, well, that's not going to work. Well, like, it was going to be like this really big musician. And we wanted, we kind of got this idea, but we need to sit down and flesh it out with you. And so like, right, let's, you know, let's, let's go in and let's do this. Uh, end result was obviously what everybody saw was, was David Guetta on the, on the helipad. And we, you know, we ended up pulling in teams from all over the world. We had, you know, there was specific equipment that would, you know, we'd had to bring in from Holland and that had to come with specific mm-hmm. operators. It was, it was, everything was very, very unique because we had, um, some very specific restrictions to work within. So you can only put six tons of equipment on the, on the helipad. Right, yeah. So that's quite difficult when you're trying to do what we were trying to do. So, you know, with all the cameras, the lights and the this, and we you know everyone had to, we had to really think through everything. Um, my business partner, Dia, was, was, was the man behind all of this. And he's an incredible talent. I was just kind of watching half of it. But to go to, to answer your question about the point, we were, if you look at that video, um, you can see David on the um, on the helipad, and just underneath, everything's quite dark on the mm. hotel. Yeah. But just underneath, there is a there's there's windows with the lights on. That was the operating room. So we're standing in the operating room underneath. There's myself and Dia. There is a hive of activity in front of us. There's all the screens that you can think of. Yeah. You've got all of the some of the you know the the top guys that that manage David's live sets across, you know. Tomorrowland or whatever. Um, so all the all this uh, like incredible talent, and we're stood at the back, 
and um, and his manager comes up uh, and uh, between us and puts his arm around both of us and he's like you don't understand how much this means because it was mid covid yeah yep. and he said all these guys in front of you have not worked for over a year yeah the whole industry is absolutely decimated and he's like but we're here putting on a show for the whole world and that was just like to be listening to somebody mm. him talking to the two of us us looking at this and, and obviously we've recorded we only had one shot to record this because weather wow. was coming in um, the following day we couldn't pre-record anything the day before so ideally we were going to do this twice we were only able to do it once so if anything had gone wrong that's it, would, it, it would mayhem so yeah. to be honest I was just sat sweating for like 50 minutes going I just wanted it to be over so yeah. that it was in the can um, but that was a that was a moment like watching all of that and people started uh, the music came on everyone in the like, you had your own little mini rave like, up there yeah we did like, <laughs> but, but none of us had danced in over a year like yeah. I'm, I, I love that music I go to Ibiza we go no we, we party and like nobody had done anything like yeah. for over a year and now all of a sudden I was like we, were in, a, we were in a room and everyone was like pumping <laughs> on, all the screens are going on top of the bush <laughs> it was a, it was just it was mind-blowing so that was a that was a real moment well my next question was going to be and how did you celebrate these wins you've answered the question <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you, that's it did you ever think when you started the business you would ever do anything like that no and that was a conversation I had with Deer as well when we were doing prep the day before we were walking around they just gave us a space right so we we're walking around on that on the helipad and the sun was coming down it was sunset the day before and we were just like what are we doing here? Like we're just winging it. It's been like twelve years of winging it. Yeah. And Dear joined, um, joined that that journey about five years ago. And uh, yeah, just to think. I mean, that that is an interesting story in itself. I, w I won't take up too much time with it. But Dear contacted me because we were both friends through um, through Chris Fade, and we'd been we caught up a few times. We'd been out all out together. And um, Dear messaged me. He's like, look, I, I want to get out of insurance. I've he was an insurance. He was an insurance salesman. Who Dia? Dia. Dia. Yeah, and also part of well, like a, a musician as yeah, well. Yeah, Dia, well, incredible yeah. musician. Okay, the musician side I get, but Dia's insurance is like suffocating. He was the VP. He was the VP of, of demand of corporate. Uh, no way. Corporate yeah, seriously. Like, I can't imagine he'd be oh, corporate. He was like, oh, it was like two, diff two different people. Two right? different worlds, two different so, worlds. So obviously he's massively creative, and, uh, creative yeah. and incredibly talented. So he reaches out to me and he's like, um, He's like, hey, mate, can I come and have a chat to you? I know you've got an agency, you've got clients. I'm, I'm doing some video content work. I've done a piece with, with Audi. He, you know, he did that as kind of like a freelancer. And uh, we, we caught up in, um, I remember exactly where we were sat, in JLT in 1762, upstairs on those sofas. Mm. Um, and I said, yeah, cool, let's, you know, let's have a coffee. And I, I looked at his stuff and I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah. So we sat down. It was supposed to be a 30-minute coffee. We were there four hours later. And by the end of that, by the time we walked out of that coffee shop, we were in business together. Wow. And that was on a Thursday. He came in on Monday. I said, come into the office on Monday. So we'll set up a side business, which is Create Production. That sit next, sits next to what was then Create Media. Um, and we set up that business. We ran it like that for up until last year. And now we've merged everything under, under, under one brand. So it's one company. But, um, but we literally set that business up over one, the introductory coffee. By the end of that, we were in business. And then wow. we were shooting with Emirates within... Within two months, three months, we were shooting a, a twenty-seven, um, yeah, twenty-seven location shoot with with Emirates. Incredible, yeah. It's just five years later, you shoot on something the verge. On the yeah, mate, it's just unbelievable. And you no, know, we there's a lot of you know pinch yourself moments, and there's a lot of there's a lot of luck that comes with that. There's a lot of um, being in the right place at the right time, mm. fortunate. But you know, but I also I believe like you you put the work in. That's it, mate. And I, and I do believe that you make your own luck, per se. I think we were fortunate to be in, in certain places at certain times, but yep. we were prepared for taking those opportunities because we'd done the work, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. You go back to the COVID conversation earlier, 
we were able to to manage that from a culture perspective because we'd done all of the hard work to create a good culture before we before it got stress tested mm. yeah. right so it's like you know that's is it luck or did you do that well, right? it's it's opportunity meeting that right it's curious that you say that because if you think about it in our, all our episodes there's there's this sort of co- constant theme that comes out that everyone sort of says when they were clear about what they wanted things just started falling into place for mm. them. Yeah. So how much of it was it luck that Dia sort of contacted you then? And how much of it was it that, you know, it's what you wanted to create and the right people sort of cross your path, you know, all that voodoo energy stuff. I, I fully believe in that. Yeah. I fully believe in that. I was trying to remember what you were talking about. What was the, the, the terminology? I think, I think I'm getting it right. That they say that luck is opportunity meeting preparation. Mm. Okay. Which I think is an interesting. It is. It is interesting, but I do. I do very much believe that people come into into your ecosystem and into your world um, when when you do need it most. Agreed. Yeah. In both ways. Yeah. In both mm-hmm. ways. Um, I would say that my view on it is that when you are when you are open, and, and I do believe in energy, when you're open to something working, you're 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 tuned into things that you might not... Now, I, I might have caught up with Deer and we shook hands cool and carried and on. But, but one of us realised that there was something there so, and yeah. they'll take that opportunity and you, know, you choose to take a risk, a calculated mm. risk. You know, Energy is really important in, yeah. that, in that and you need to listen to it. Agreed. Cool. I'm going to quickly jump onto a slightly Please different thing. We talk on. about energy. Yeah. Where do you get it from? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, like all of your accomplishments, everything you've been doing, 180 people, but yeah. also as well, like you're an athlete. You, you do yeah. like crazy endurance things in some of the most extreme, harshest environments known to man. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy that. I have, um, I have a, a deep... A deep philosophy that I that I live by, and I just it, I I want to squeeze as much life out of life, and what I mean by that. And I, and oh my God! Quote that. <laughs> I think that's the title of the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah the episode. But it's um it, it's no, we won't go. We don't need to delve into that. It's a whole other story. But um I was diagnosed with cancer since I've been in Dubai. So oh yeah, really? Yeah. So it happened. Um, it happened a few years after I arrived here, and that although I I. I packed it into a box for for a period of time and i've i've done a ted talk on this you can link to it in the show notes mm, yeah. i've always wanted to say that link to it in the show no, notes. We'll link to it in the show notes <laughs> go jj <laughs> um but yeah i did it i i did do a, te- um, a tedx talk about that and it's um it it, it, it that better defines without going into because that was you know 20 minutes of talking just on the subject um but it, it defines my my way of thought around that which is you know we have we have a real opportunity to to experience everything here. I mean, we're, we're, we're in one of the most entrepreneurial cities, entrepreneurial cities in the world. We're in one of the most interesting places in the world. It's so dynamic. And I think we all feed off that energy, right? We're all hustling, we're all doing different things, we're all you know, doing our own businesses or whatever that might look like. Rather than just sitting on the couch playing games and, and just kind of vegging out, like there's an energy here, right? Mm. And, I, and I think that's, um, it's why I love the city so much. It's why I will always have this as my base mm. and we go off different places. But um, it, it, it really aligns with, um, with everything that I want to try and achieve in my life, which is by the time we get to the end of it, I want I want to be full of experiences. I want to be slightly broken and yeah. I want to have experienced everything. And, and how that plays out in my life is is adventure. And what I mean by that is I, I want to go to places that people will never go to. I want to go and explore the most remote areas of the Sahara Desert whilst doing the Marathon de Saab 
being like, wow, I'm like, it's 50 degrees, I'm a breaking point, and I'm in the middle of, I feel like I'm on Mars, I'm 10 hours from civilization in the middle of a desert that nobody would, not, very few people will ever visit. That, that's what drives me, I want to experience that. I want to, by the time I'm finished, and by the time I'm done here, I want to have, I don't want to be die wandering, I want to yeah. experience everything, and that, if that's in business, it's, I want to grow it, I want to start new departments, I want to learn new things, I want to build it as much as I can. If it's running, it's it's the the extreme of running. Yeah. If it's mountaineering, I want to summit the highest mountains that I can that I can physically do. It, I, I think we owe that to ourselves. Yeah. We, we, we're here for a finite period of time. Why wouldn't you want to try and cram as much into it as possible? Why would you want to sit on the sofa and veg out and, and not and not be experiencing things? Mm. That's where that's where the energy comes from. It's just the, the, the thought process. It's the mindset. Yeah. It's the mindset. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Just by how you articulate the yeah. energy. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like, let's go, let's go to the Sahara. <laughs> so that, you've done, well, I've seen, you've done two big ones from what I've seen. I'm sure you've done many more, but there was the one that you did there's, across the Sahara and then I think in the Arctic. Yeah, there's, there, there's been a few. So the, um, the biggest ones would be, the, so the first big one was the, the Marathon de Saab, uh, 250 kilometers across uh, the Sahara Desert. Sorry, was that 250 kilometers of running? Yeah. In yeah. how much time? Uh, five days. Across the sand of the desert. Yeah, across the Sahara Desert, yeah. yeah so it's I can't even run across JBR Beach. <laughs> 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 yeah, in the Sahara. Just do that lots of times. It's kind of the same thing. I tried to be beautiful, um, but it doesn't work. Not yeah. quite. Not quite. Yes, yeah, so that was um, yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. Hold on. How do you train for that? Well, to be honest, we're in the best place in the world. True. Yeah. So there's so know, just there's kept going of, out lot, to the desert. A lot of sand out that <laughs> <There's> window. <laughs> that's it. Like, honestly, but literally, that's all you did. Yeah. Just like you know, lots of running. It's it's um yeah, really just getting the getting the mileage in. But it's not just that. You know, everyone that turns up to that race is um is prepared from a running standpoint. You know, once you can run, if you can run uh, two marathons back to back, which I know might sound ridiculous, but you 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 get there a lot faster than you think, right? Um, your body adapts very very quickly. Yeah, but the dunes, they're difficult yeah so it, it, it that changes things for sure but it's not just the the, the running element everyone that, that which is understandable that doesn't do something like that thinks oh it's just about the running the it's, isolation. It's, it's, it's not it, it's not it's not quite that either it's yeah. it's everything it's the it's the relentlessness of being in that environment like you stop running you're not going for a shower yeah. you're covered in sand mm. and you will stay that way for six days you're sleeping yeah. on the floor you're the dirtiest you've ever been Ever. The sun's in your lungs. Everywhere. You know, so yeah. you imagine running a marathon. Like how, and there's what no you feel shade. Like. So, so when you finish, you're, you're within, um, you, there, there aren't tents. They're, they're just like lean-tos. Mm -hmm. So they're open both ends. So when a, a squall like rips through or a sandstorm rips through, it just kind of just, just destroys everybody. Um, but you just, you're, you're in that environment day, like for day in, day out, day in, day out. That's what breaks people. Mm. It's the fact that they can't get clean. It's the fact that they can't eat a decent meal. And Without they, sand. Yeah, and then they've got an injury and then it, like, their mind just starts to unravel. Yeah. And, you, and I've seen, well, I remember in my particular um, group, there was, you know, there's one guy that would put an hour on me in a marathon, a much better runner. He ended up finishing like six hours behind wow. because his mindset. mindset just breaks because it's so it's such a relentlessly tough environment. But you can train for that one here. I mean, the the other one, the worst. I mean, the worst one, the longest one was actually just down in Oman. Okay, crossing the um, uh, the Hajar Mountains in Oman. It was 137 kilometers, but that was a single stage in one go. Wow, so not split over days. So you start, you got 137 k's before you stop. So How long did that take? Took me forty-two hours. What? Yeah, I was awake for fifty-seven. A constant movement. You were constantly constant movement. So wow. on, on. Sorry, uh, you were awake for fifty-seven hours. Awake for fifty-seven on the course for forty-two. Yeah, from when I woke up that morning to when I fell asleep in the car. 
How Don't. delirious were you? Yeah, you know, full, full. Gone. Yeah, so right? I've, I've done a I've done a podcast on this and, and I went through specifics around the um, the hallucinations. But on yeah. the, you start at seven on that race. You start at seven p.m. So you've already been awake all day, right? Mm. So you're kind of resting, sitting around, feeling a bit awkward. You start at seven p.m. You go through the night. You come through dawn. So already your body's like okay, circadian rhythms get getting thrown out. You're a bit you feel a bit weird. Then you go through the day where you're getting sunburned, like you're out on the on the course. Then the sun starts to go down again. Then you go through the second night and then you go through the second dawn. So now your body doesn't know what the hell's going yeah. on because you've gone through two dawns now. You haven't been to sleep. You've still got your backpack on. You're still shoveling gels and crap in your mouth. And then you're still moving. So during that second night, um, there was a huge, huge dropout rate. So they're, they're, in context, there wasn't a massive amount of people left in the race in the second night. Um, so I was completely on my own for about eight hours. I went through a couple of checkpoints uh, through that. But I mean, full hallucinations. So I mean, like, I'd stop. And I'd be listening, I'm sure someone was just shouting. I'm sure someone was just... And I, w I could even repeat the words that they just shouted. And I'm like, there's nobody here. Because there's no head torches. There's nobody here. You're completely on your own. Completely on my own. So, and, and then, then I'd be running along. Because you would think at night, you could only see the, the square meter of light from your head torch. Exactly. And that's it, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh, I'd stop dead in the track, thinking a rock was a person that was crouched down. And I'd get close, and I'd be like, oh, it's just a rock. And this would happen to the point where you're just like, you're laughing at yourself because <laughs> you know your mind is so warped that you know, like, you can see it, but you know it's not true. Yep. So I don't know, it must be something like some hallucinogenics, but um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird space to be. You're kind of literally running along, looking at things, going, oh, that's a bit weird. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it was, it was wow. bizarre. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, I struggle if I don't get eight hours enough sleep. Yeah, so that wow. was yeah, that was a tough that was a tough one. And then the latest one, um, not to drag it on, but with the latest one was. I oh, know uh, we're fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> the latest one was in the Arctic. Uh, so I just did that um, uh, about two months ago. So that was two hundred and thirty kilometers through the Swedish Arctic in winter. That was How a little, cold? That was a little bit different. Um, minus thirty five. And it's running again. Yeah. Yeah. What do you wear? Um, so yeah, interesting. Um, hmm. Not as much as you would think. Right. Honestly, not as much. So you're like a base layer. Um, so like a, a proper, like a, as you would wear for skiing. Oh, like merino. Yeah. So full like merino top and bottoms, then uh, a t-shirt over the top of that, and then a zip up hoodie, um, and then uh, an outer shell. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, not even like you don't know big puffer jacket. Well, type. you can because you've got to run. Yeah, and it's not always at minus thirty-five. That was the extreme, most extreme it got. But you know, most of it was around about a minus fifteen to a minus twenty. Um, we had we had great weather some of the days. We had you know some terrible weather on top of some of the mountains. That was that was tough. Yeah, that was a tough race because you got to finish. Like so, you're coming across the line, and um, there's only there was only a few people finishing a, a ahead of me, and we were in the same cabin together. So when you finish um, each of the days uh, distance you need to do, we're just staying in a remote wooden cabin, no water, no electricity, like literally just bits of wood stuck together it's a cabin awesome yeah so you've got to make that you've got to make the fire and everything so when you're moving it's actually fine because you, your clothing and everything yeah. you're warm it's like it's, it's like, when you stop it's like your skiing is when you stop so as soon as you stop and you're like you're done for the day you start to shivering mm. you start shivering and the sun's gone down it's now plummeted minus 20 now it's minus 25 and you, you know you you start to you go would, into you'd still sweat when you're running yeah a lot and that was All one right. of the biggest problems um a lot of people uh, got caught out because of that you know, one wow. guy who's a professional trail runner got taken off the course um, in the first 40k with a helicopter because he went full hypothermia because of sweating. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, it's full on. Had loads of, uh, there was 32 people that started that race and only 13 people that finished. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's harder, it'd be harder in cold weather. 
So I Which found... Which is more difficult, cold or hot? Yeah, definitely cold. Cold. Yeah, because of all the admin. You know, mm. even when it's hot, you know what it's like. You can kind of find a tree, you can sit down, you can try and cool down uh, to an extent. You can't stop when it's cold mm. because, you know, you, you're only warm because you're moving. Mm. So the second yeah. you stop, like if the, if the weather's really bad and you, know, you can't get to something, you, you take your hand out of your gloves, you know, within, second, within seconds you start to lose feeling in your hands. I mean, it, I came back, it took me six weeks before I could feel either of my big toes wow. and the end the ends of every single one of my fingers i couldn't wow. couldn't feel I, could, I mean i could put them on on like a on a hot tile i, I mean, think I, I saw a picture on your facebook about your eyebrows everything was frozen yeah yeah that, yeah 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 what was that mental journey like compared to the one you did in the desert that, is it two very different experiences they they they, they were in, in in a way but similar in another the um the, the one in the desert was just kind of at a level, a lower level, but in like relentless, intense. So as long as you could kind of cope with things and cope with being uncomfortable and, and just uh, cope with the, 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 the um, I suppose basically just like really uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. If you could deal with that, then you could get through it. With the, um, with the one in the Arctic, I, I got pushed to breaking point. There was a peak in that and, and the peak was crossing we we summited a mountain on, on day two and as i was coming up the mountain there was a, a sideways gale blizzard it was like minus 30 ish um and i was i wasn't in a good way i was i was pretty broken at that point anyway and um, i couldn't get my my food or my water out of my front pack because my, my my hands started to go couldn't completely feel it. numb um when when i so picture this i'm kind of i'm still trudging upwards on this on this course i've got a blowing gale coming from my left so i've closed my left eye because my eyeball is literally freezing i tried to pull my goggles down they're frozen solid like covered in ice so i can't use my goggles so now i'm not really prepared for where i am i'm kind of leaning into it and this just went on for like three hours and i i I, my foot my watch died so i didn't really know where i was on the course at that point i was like and one of the worst things someone had said to me in the in um before we kicked off friend of mine he's like look you get we're talking about the profile for the day and he's like look you get over the mountain you come down the other side and it's just sweet we're all the way all the way down the valley we've got about 20 30k down the other side all good in my head i was like summit the mountain come back down that's all i had in my head so i was like sweet i got to the top of the mountain and it was about another three hours of just trudging along uh, like in the clouds i didn't realize there was a plateau and that was what that that takes you to breaking oh, point because you're like you completely you keep that. yourself together yeah. just for that point and, and you i wasn't get that drinking it's, it's not. yeah i wasn't oh. drinking i wasn't getting enough food in i was kind of hobbling along all the tracks had been blown out because of oh. the because of the weather and the snow and the, and the gale that was happening i was like at one point i was like stumbling almost like drunk and that was my breaking point i was like i was like this i was like this close when i did come off the other down the other side um i was in like tears in my eyes i was like fuck that was like emotionally I've never, in, in all of my years of racing, I've never been pushed to the point where I was like, that was peak failure. Yeah. Like, wow. Another half an hour of that, and I, you know, I would have been done. done. I'd have pressed my, pressed my beaker, and they would have, beaker, and they would have come to find me. Um, yeah, it was pretty wild. Jesus. So what's next? <laughs> After that, how have you talked <laughs> about The eternal one? question. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm really content right now. Uh, okay. You know, business is good. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. I've got amazing people around me. We're, you know, we're, we're making some big decisions and, and big moves and big changes and uh, that, that's keeping me fully engaged. Um, Fitness-wise, you know, I, I, I love doing these things, but they do take a lot of time. Mm. It's not just the race. You know, you're, you're not contactable for five or six days, which is yeah. tough uh, when you run a business. But it's just all, a, how do you juggle that? Yeah, it's... Uh, the, 
those few days, it's okay. I mean, I'm very fortunate to have amazing people around me, uh, have an amazing management team, and that allows that allows me to, to do these things. I can turn my phone off for five days. You've got days. the right team. Yeah, the world's not going to end, right? It's all of the hours. It's the hundreds of hours that leading up to that. It's the six months of training that yep. get you to the point of the race. That's difficult. Mm. That's finishing a day and going, shit, you know, I've got two and a half hours to go running at Al-Qudra on my own. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's uh, waking up on the you know the one morning that you could do with a lion after a heavy week week of work, flying to Saudi, flying back. You want to lie in on a Saturday morning, but no, you've got to get up early. You've got to do like, two or three hours on your own, just solo, just you know, trudging. Along. It's all that mental stuff that it builds resilience, it builds strength. That's the that's the side that's, that's difficult. But it's just planning your day. And you know, we spoke about this earlier, right? It's just <coughs> those people that want to achieve more will consistently find ways to do more. So it's looking at your day like you landed from, from Qatar this morning. Yeah, full Honestly, of dust. Yeah, but nine out of 10 people would yeah. have just gone, you know what, it's been a heavy week. It's the end of the week. I'll make a few phone calls and then you know mm. what, I'm going to go and grab a beer or, you know, whatever. Sleep. Yeah, but yeah, or sleep. But you're, but you're like, oh no, I've got two hours gap you find, here. You, let's you let's do a find, podcast. You, you sort of said, you find ways to steal time. That's the way I look True. at it. You find yeah, ways to steal time. And you make time for things. Mm. You know, you, you make you make time for things rather than just oh let's just see if we've got if I've got time at, on this day like you won't <laughs> you have to be like if this is something I want to do mm. and it's obviously understanding what your priorities are if this is something that you want to do you make time it for has it. to be a conscious decision to do yeah it. that's it. It, yeah. it it has to be I know you're wow. saying you're content right now but we'll ask you again tomorrow. You'll be like, I found a new race to do. Yes, yeah. I, want to, I want to know. There must <laughs> well, be. There must be one. You must no, be like looking through. And thinking, it, it, mm. at, at, some, at some point, yes. Um, what, what I really want to do uh, over summer is spend some time in the Alps just doing single stage, you know, like 30K, 50K, like stuff that is great fun to just kind of go and have a crack at, but doesn't require months of training to get to. But... I mean that's one of my, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Just, just running around that area. So we're gonna my, myself and my wife are gonna do some nice. of that. All right, well um, we'll expect to see plan. some photos of that. Yeah, it will be yeah, mm. snow capped mountains and, and running in the valleys. So the yeah, dreams, that's, uh, that's the it. Dreams, uh, me and Dan are gonna go reassess our lives now. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah. <laughs> it was an awesome chat. We've been wanting to do this one for a long time, so thank yeah. you for passing no, by. No, it's been um, no a real pleasure. Thanks so much for, for giving me the platform yeah. and the opportunity to chat. Any time and congratulations on all the all the achievements. Mate, really yeah. epic. Mate, you too. It's been Very great to see the business growing. It's and, a hustle. It's we a hard yeah, it's look, it's it's a hustle, but it's you know, your industry got got hit harder than most. Yeah. Uh, and it's been amazing to see the Phoenix rising from the ashes. It's so. definitely rising. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Cheers, buddy, thank Brilliant. you. Brilliant. Awesome. Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are the Loaded.